0: everybody it is so good to be back with you it's it's been a while um the last few weeks have just been like seriously crazy in my life just some people close to me and passed away and you know we've just been driving all over the show and just haven't had time to record a podcast and i just want to advertise quickly next week i'll be talking about uh the jab lots of confusion going on about whether we should be taking the jab or whether we shouldn't and I'd like to provide a Christian perspective on that while taking into consideration some of the facts and the myths that is out there, because I think it's an important question. And so if you are wondering whether you should be taking the jab, just tune in next week for the episode and, and maybe some things will be said that will help you to deal with it. Anyways, today I will be dealing with the following topic: Why do good people die? You know, why do some people live long and others die young? And often the people we think should live long, they die early. And it seems like bad people keep on living long lives. Like, for example, Robert Mugabe. I mean, that guy lived for ages. He messed up the country and he continued living. I mean, if he just died a little bit earlier, wouldn't it We have been in a better place. Um, anyway, so that's the topic for today. It is it is good to be with you. This is Fishing for Men with Mac. And this is episode 64 The date is the 2nd of September 2021. Merry spring to those living in the southern hemisphere and happy autumn for those in the north. So let's go into the topic for today and so I've told you about this gentleman that passed away recently and Friday was his funeral and that was a there was a very sad experience, you know, and it was very hard to, to do a lesson in the context of his, his passing away. He had the most vicious cancer imaginable. It crept in his body, at, you know, it came into his body and within a year he passed away. It is just intense. And um, it was it was an intensely sad day for everybody that was there. In any case, leading up to, you know, his, his passing away, well, I think that was after he passed away this this gentleman's wife a lady um she's she's got a friend also a lady friend and she had a conversation with this lady friend and you know this lady said to her you know what the the lady friend is is an atheist and she said to her you know what can i do for you how can i how can i help you your husband um is is very ill um what can i do from my side to make things better for you and um the, the friend said, the, the lady said, you know, um, there's nothing really that you can do for me. If you were a Christian, there would be something that you could do for me. You could pray for me. I mean, I, I wish that you, that you didn't know God because then that would we be one extra voice that would pray and help me during this time. And by the way, this lady gave such a, an amazing um, speech at the funeral and she was very strong. And she said, um, when COVID started last year, she basically uh, almost lost her business and that was worse for her than losing her husband now and it sounds like quite a strange and she says no but here's the reason because when she sort of lost her business or was busy losing her business and she didn't know how to deal with that because God wasn't really a part of her life but that that situation brought God into her life and God in her life gave her strength to cope now with her husband's passing. In any case <coughs> and so this uh, this this atheist lady then answered and said, well, the fact that your husband is sick like this, the fact that your husband is passing away, this is the reason why I am an atheist. This is the reason why I don't belong. Uh, I, I don't belong to a church. I don't belong to any religion. I don't believe God exists. Um, you know, and that's that's sad. You know, I haven't spoken to this lady, but... It seems like her view is pretty much consistent with many people who call themselves atheists. And it it seems consistent with the reasoning that is behind that. And so I'd like to provide three possible uh, mentalities that she has, which I think makes sense. Here, Here they are. First, if there was a God, good people would not suffer. Right? Maybe that's what she believes. That's a principle that she believes in. If there was a God, good people would not suffer. And it makes sense. Or she might be thinking, if we can't understand things like death, then surely life has no meaning or purpose. And therefore we just live and die with no reason. Okay, there's no purpose in life. That can also make sense, right? Because she, she's maybe standing there looking at this gentleman that passed away and saying, but how come he, he, he died at the age of 50 and got this horrible cancer? There's no meaning and purpose in life. We're just all animals and we're just going to live and die and that's it. There's no purpose in this. A third perspective that you might be having is, is this. If God really exists, he would surely answer the prayers of the desperate. Okay, if he exists, and this type of suffering wouldn't happen. And if people pray, then surely God would answer their prayer. Right? Um, there are no terms and conditions sort of uh, mentality when it comes to God. It's understandable why people turn to disbelief in God based on these ideas but the problem is that most of these people never hear what God answers on these ideas and on this truth people just trust their own rationality and say well it doesn't make sense to me and if it doesn't make sense to me therefore God does not exist so let me make a few comments and uh, just clarify some things from God's perspective first of all in God's world, everybody suffers, but suffering isn't caused by God. Everybody suffers in the world. The degrees of suffering differ. I mean, if you're listening to this, at some point in your life, you've suffered. You've suffered physically, you've suffered emotionally, you've you've cried, you've had pain. You know, whether you've got money or not, you suffer. Whether you're a good person or a bad person, you suffer. And theologically, the reason why we suffer is because of sin. We live in a sinful world and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so there would never have been death, there would never have been pain, there would never have been suffering if sin didn't exist. But sin exists. The sin of Adam and Eve paved the way for the human race to be plagued by sin and its consequences. For example, we want to blame God for cancer, but God didn't create cancer cancer is a product of sin you might say well okay well, 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 well what, what do you mean well we've spoken about this before i think they say about five percent of cancer is genetic the rest is lifestyle what you eat if you exercise or not what the level of your stress is environmental pollution the water that you drink the air that you breathe in all these can be traced back to sin now, not necessarily your sin, but somebody else's sin. You might say, well, well what about the genetic issue? Well, we're all, we all messed up genetically. If we were perfect genetically, we would live forever. Okay, and so we've got fallible parents who gave birth to us and we carry within their genetics gets carried over into our bodies. Okay, and it puts us in a predisposition towards disease. But why do our parents have genetic faults? Well, because of their parents and their parents and their parents all the way back to Adam and Eve because they sinned. The reason why we've got genetic faults is because of sin somewhere back in our ancestry. You might say, well, what, what about food? How does food create cancer? Do I have to explain this? What about the pesticides on the plants that you eat? What about the hormones in the food that you eat? What about the antibiotics that's injected into the animals that we eat? And you might say, well, what about stress? Well, stress makes you sick, the pursuit of money, the desire for greed, the distrust in God, you don't have rest in God, that creates stress. What about pollution? Well, why does air pollution exist? Because of greed. Why why is our water a mess? Because of greed and laziness. You see, everything goes back. The causes of pain and suffering and disease in the world goes back to sin. So everybody suffers in God's world. But God didn't cause the suffering. In actual fact, he fights against it. Well, let's think about it. God's own son suffered and he suffered because of sin. According to the Bible, he was sinless, yet he suffered. So the best person on the planet suffered and God didn't force Jesus to suffer. Jesus laid down his life to suffer for us. So you can't really go to God and say, well, you can't be a real God if if suffering exists in the world. Uh, He's the wrong guy to talk to Because his own son suffered unjustly in this world. Worse than anybody else ever on the planet. You see, we deserve suffering sometimes. Jesus deserved no suffering. So God didn't cause suffering. We do. Our decisions do. And so that atheist lady is actually part of the cause of suffering because she's promoting sin she's actually saying by her atheistic worldview she's saying it doesn't matter what you do with your life your morals doesn't matter just do what you want okay because God doesn't exist you see the atheistic worldview claims there is no moral standard and so we might as well just do what we like theism doesn't create suffering atheism does the most murderous people that have ever lived were pagans and atheists and so we Cannot be angry at the God idea in suffering, but we can be angry at the atheism idea of suffering. A second point, if God is real, we wouldn't understand his ways fully anyway, because then we would be gods ourselves. I hope you get that. That's a rational um, idea. We humans, I think we've become very arrogant. We think that we know anything, everything. We think that we are 100% 100% rational and perfect in our thinking there are so many things in this life that we haven't figured out yet there are so many scientific things that we don't understand very simple we don't even understand why hiccups occur but we, we, we think that we can understand God's ways and when we don't understand then we claim well then God doesn't exist so if the God of the universe created us, this world, the universe, then his intellect and rationality is way above our understanding. We, we can't even start to figure out how, how the world operates. <laughs> how can we think that our small brains will come near to seeing the things that God sees? It's like trying to explain to a baby what university is or trying to explain to an ant what love is. You see, in this life, we won't understand everything fully if we could We would be gods. God keeps the earth in in equilibrium. He numbers the hairs on our heads. He knows the stars by name. Now, we might not like this. The point is, don't rely so much on your thinking. You're not as clever as as you think. And I'm talking to the human race and myself. A third point. God answers all prayers. But his answers are not always yes to everybody. He is sovereign and he can decide whatever he wants sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no but he makes his decision based on informed information that we don't have access to we get upset because you get upset with God because someone dies of a disease yet we don't know how this person's death will have a positive Ripple effect into eternity, and I've spoken about this before. I mean, we look at a person dying in a car accident, and we don't consider how that car accident will have an impact on people driving past, how it will have an impact on the family that will lose a loved one, and how that will stimulate them to love their children better. We don't even think about the impact the financial impact that that car accident has on families that are not even close to the scene, like for example, the panel beater. I mean, God said. So so God said for example no to his own son. You know we get upset because God says no to our prayers. God said no to his own son. Why? To save the human race, to change the lives of billions of people. And Jesus at this moment in heaven he isn't he isn't upset that God said no because he trusted God and he knew that God has got a bigger and better plan. And so even if Jesus could go through the cross again, he would Because billions of people's lives have been changed. So how do we know that when God says no to our prayers, he doesn't have something huge planned through that no? We also need to take note that not everybody who asks him for something listens to him. It's so interesting for me how people expect God to do things for them, but they don't honor him or thank him or obey him or do anything for him and then we make him out to be the villain when our lives fall apart it's like this young 14 year old boy who hung himself in the in on the back of his door in his room and his dad was an atheist and a, a preacher came into the house and and tried to comfort him and then this atheist dad said where's god now where's god in all of this look my son is dead he's hanging in his room where's god and the preacher just responded where you left him That's where God is, where you left him. The son's room was filled with slipknot. The the kid's life was falling apart because he lived in a house where God was not present. If God doesn't answer your prayer, you need to stop and think, why would he? Am I his child? Do I obey him? Do I love him? Or do I just use him like an ATM? Why does God have to answer our prayers? We need to start with ourselves first. Another point I'd like to make is that the Christian God is a God of grace, not justice. The idea that good people should receive blessings and bad people curses is what we do, but not God on all occasions. In the end, at the judgment, yes, everybody will receive their due. But while we are here on earth, we should not expect to see things the same way. I'd re- like to read to you a psalm Psalm 73. David wrestled with this thing. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Do you get that point? Surely God is good to those who got pure hearts, right? But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure, in vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued, I have been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children when I tried to understand all this. It was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin, how suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And so what this whole text is about is trying to understand why is it that the wicked prosper, it goes well with them, and then the text says, look, they, yes, they will prosper in this life probably, but when you look at their end, that's when you understand Solomon also said that he has seen the righteous die young and the wicked live long in their wickedness. So it is simply not true that good people will always experience good. I mean, who says a person is good in the first place? You don't know what goes on in a person's mind anyways. And maybe just a last point before I conclude. We don't live in a world of determinism, but a free world. A world of determinism means that God determines everything that happens. It's not true. We live in a world... Where we are free, we make decisions. God allows us to make decisions. We have free will. And so we shouldn't blame God for what humans do. You smoke your whole life and blame God when you get lung cancer. You eat rubbish your whole life, stress after all the money that you're chasing. You never exercise and then you blame God when you die young of cancer. A drunk person decides to drive and smashes into you and then you blame God for the accident. I think you know what I'm getting at. Of course, God could stop these things, but when He doesn't, we should let Him be God. And then sometimes people simply, I know, die for unexplained reasons. We might not know the answer, but God does. And in the end, it will all be clear and it will be well understood. That is, if we trust God, that He is good, and that there's a reason for our existence, and that there's purpose in this life so here are a few scriptures um, for you the one is in isaiah chapter 57 it's a beautiful text that i used at the funerals um, last week and if you if you want to know well you know what would be the reason why god would allow good person to die early here's a nice verse to think about the righteous perish and no one ponders it in his heart Devout men are taken away and taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. What if God sometimes allow good people to die early because he's sparing them from a future evil? You see, you and I, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Do you see how limited our thinking is? And then the... Second verse says, those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And so for us, it's horrible when people die. But that text is saying, well, the good people, they lie in rest when they die. They're not in pain and agony. And you want them to stay on this earth that's so full of a mess. Another verse is Psalms 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's precious to God when his saints die ezekiel 33 verse 11 says as surely as i live declares the sovereign lord i take no pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather that they turn from their ways and live turn turn from your evil ways why will you die O house of israel and so we see here the text say for God, it is precious when godly people die. And for God, it, it hurts his heart. He does not take pleasure at all when wicked people die. Because he wants them to turn and love. Let me conclude. God doesn't desire anybody to suffer or die or to experience pain. That is why he sent his son. That is why we have the scriptures. They're able to make us wise, to live godly and good lives and to avoid sin. God is creating a new heaven and earth where there will be no sin, no evil, no pain, no suffering. In God's world, death is not the end. For us, it's so horrible, but not in God's world. Near-death experiences have taught us that most people don't want to come back when they die. It's really great to die, okay? We should not fret when good people die. They don't, and neither does God. We should fret when wicked people die because it hurts God and that person is condemned. Let God run the world. And let each one of us run our world in accordance with God's will. And then we will have peace with life and with Him regardless of what comes our way. Looking forward to chat with you next week. Any questions or comments are welcome. Love you all. Bye-bye.